Welcome to the FinTV podcast series, where we tap into the collective expertise of the world's leading supply chain, manufacturing, and digital innovators. My name is Maria Villablanca, the co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, and I'll be your host. Join us every week to hear the opinions, lessons, and general guidelines from the industry's leading minds. FinTV, insights for today's digital leaders. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to FinTV and our podcast. Uh, today, we have a very special guest. We've got Dr. Stylianos Kampakis, who is a data scientist, AI, and ML expert. He is the CEO and instructor of the Tesseract Academy. He's chief data scientist at Electi Consulting, research fellow at the UCL Center for Blockchain Technologies, and editor of the British Blockchain Association. Now, Dr. Stylianos also um, regularly blogs at thedatascientist.com, and he's the author of The Decision Maker's Handbook to Data Science. Thank you so much for joining us uh, here today. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Glad My pleasure. Here. Now, maybe we could start off, I mean, you obviously have a very uh, impressive uh, CV and you do quite a lot, um, but given that this is a podcast for supply chain and manufacturing uh, senior decision makers. Maybe I'll go straight into the question. Um, how, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, but then also how, what is the impact of uh, blockchain and this kind of new technology on supply chain and manufacturing? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question, actually. <clears throat> so I've been working, even though I'm primarily a data scientist, and an AI expert. I've been doing work in blockchain for the last few years as well. And uh, since, uh, since the beginning, uh, to be honest with you, I've been a firm believer that the, <clears throat> the, the verticals where blockchain will have the highest impact will be in um, will be B2B verticals. Yeah, it will be in the enterprise blockchain in anything relating to, um, let's say, cybersecurity, supply chain, obviously insurance, um, etc. Unfortunately, last year we saw public blockchains stealing the spotlight with Bitcoin and Ethereum and then uh, a bubble and the, and the crash that followed. Uh, but I believe that what we're witnessing this year is that blockchain technology has matured and supply chain is part of this. Yeah. So talking about supply chain, uh, I mean, there are many examples out there. I can't really remember every single case study right now, but the one, I mean, or maybe a couple that come to mind uh, is first Walmart. Uh, I know Walmart is using blockchain for the provenance of its greens uh, because there was some kind of uh, scandal or issue that took place last year. They decided to use blockchain in order to <clears throat> understand the how basically the whole chain of where the grids come from and how they're transported, etc., and what could go wrong during this process. And also IBM uh, is investing heavily in this direction in collaboration with Maersk. Yeah, so I was reading this study in the Journal of the British Blockchain Association. Uh, they had an article about supply chains and blockchain in the latest issue. And uh, there was this study <clears throat> that... For a single refrigerated good to move from one country to another country, uh, there's going to be about 30 companies that are involved and like 200 individuals. So there's a major issue there in terms of trust, in terms of transparency. But even if we assume that 
you know, everyone basically wants to do their job. No one, no one in this chain is a malicious actor. Uh, there's still, you know, the potential of human error. So the thing with blockchain is that it provides a very nice way to streamline operations. So when you have a supply chain, and that's, I mean, a supply chain is a specific instantiation of a complex process, yeah, because the same can happen in insurance, uh, in, uh, you know, in financial contracts, whatever. So in those cases, blockchain can provide an automated way to ensure that everyone's complying with the rules, that's one. And secondly, it's very easy to check to make basically the chain available to everyone who's interested, who is involved in this process. So it makes auditability much, much easier. So that's like uh, uh, my, my view of the topic, even though there are like uh, you know, other aspects to it. So feel free to ask me uh, yeah. about it. Otherwise, I can move on to, because what I wanted to say is also some of the current challenges. In, okay, yeah. That, well, that, funnily enough, that was exactly what my question was. Okay. Yeah. I so mean, we, we hear a lot about blockchain and we hear a lot about a lot of hype about technology and things and about uh, innovation, new ways of doing things, which are great. But what are the challenges of implementing this and what are the challenges people are facing now? So the first thing that uh, um, people who want to implement blockchain need to understand is that blockchain is used in order to do the following. Yeah, decentralize. So this might be a good or a bad thing, depending on, on the use case. Uh, increase transparency. Yeah, increase transparency and also to uh, streamline or automate uh, some of the processes that sub processes that take place on the main process on you know, the main chain now the issue with uh, supply chains and blockchain is that there's always going to be a human element involved uh, which is going to be there and there's nothing you can do about it so what I mean is let's say that you are a, a retailer and uh, I don't know you're selling uh, clothes or food it doesn't matter and you're using a blockchain to track your goods, to track uh, every single product from its origin to the final destination in your bricks and mortar store. So if, if you need humans to um, basically record this information on a computer and add it to a blockchain, blockchain obviously helps with transparency. It makes it very easy for anyone to see what happened, what didn't happen, etc. And uh, make sure that uh, you know, when, when someone has to make a decision as to, you know, whether this good is legal or not, or, you know, whether it's of the right quality, uh, that they have access to everything that happened in this chain before this point in time, there's still the possibility of, you know, mistakes simply uh, because, uh, you know, a human might make a mistake and this might be recorded on the blockchain and there's really no way to know um, whether something wrong was recorded on blockchain or not. So if, for example, someone was uh, selling, you know, counterfeit goods and uh, there's, you know, some actors in this chain collude to make this happen. Uh, you'd need like an external actor or some other algorithm to be able to check the goods uh, through a variety of means, you know. Maybe you need someone to physically be there or you could have a computer vision system to, you know, see what the goods look like or what's not. But in any case, what I want to say is that... Uh, just by, but by just because you're using blockchain doesn't mean you've eliminated the possibility of error. Uh, that's why uh, there are 
companies that are trying to utilize automation as much as possible and to remove the human element. So if, for example, you could use, uh, I don't know, Internet of Things uh, in order, I don't know, let's say you're a shipping company. You're using Internet of Things to track uh, containers and the cargo and what goes in, what goes out. Um, this might be a better approach to using humans only. I mean, the, the two can work in synergies. Yeah, I'm not saying that we need to replace all human intervention uh, with robots. Uh, so blockchain and this setting and supply chains and automation and technologies like IoT, I think they go hand in hand. Uh, also, I think this trend of using blockchain and supply chain is also driving AI innovation. The reason I'm saying this is, again, it comes back to automation. Yeah, so now with AI, especially the advances in deep learning, we are in the position to automate many of the things that we would need a human for. Yeah, so understanding, for example, the, the quality of, of food, uh, this can happen through computer vision algorithms. You don't necessarily need someone to sit there and figure out whether some apples are rotten or not. And uh, we're going to see this, uh, you know, we're going to, to see AI play a greater and greater role of, uh, in supply chains. I believe that the biggest organizations, even though they suffer from, um, they don't suffer, I mean, maybe that's not the right word. I mean, they're slow. Yeah, so let's say you're a multinational, uh, you have some operations that you've been building for 10, 20, 30 years. It's not easy to change overnight. Uh, however, these are the organizations that actually have the resources to go through this process of digital transformation, and they're going to save uh, a lot of money in the long run. Like they, they, once they invest in this, in this digital transformation, we're talking about a huge reduction in costs. So I do believe in the next five to 10 years, we'll see many companies moving in this direction. Uh, similar to the way that uh, automation played a major role in uh, factories, like in, in the car industry, for example, the trend that started like decades ago, I believe that now automation will start, uh, automate, the combination of automation and blockchain will start playing a major role in supply chains. And, and do you think that uh, there is enough conversation or understanding between uh, leaders of businesses on the challenges that are ahead and also on the real applications of blockchain into everyday business. Mm -hmm. uh, so in terms of the challenges, I think that uh, many leaders might, um, but not necessarily be aware of the challenges, but because to my experience, in, especially many big organizations, the decision makers can be a bit uh, uh, risk averse when it comes to new solutions, uh, specifically because there's always the risk of, you know, implementing something in the wrong way. There's a risk associated with change. They might be a bit cautious. Uh, there's definitely not a good understanding of blockchain or data science or related technologies. I mean, it's one of the reasons I, I wrote the book that uh, you mentioned at the beginning. It's one of the reasons I run <laughs> uh, workshops about data science and blockchain for decision makers. Uh, there's lots of misinformation, and that's part of how technology works, I guess, or I mean, the technology services industry. Every time there's a new technology, uh, many companies, big companies, small companies, um, they try to promote it as the solution for everything. Uh, and it's part of 
how it works, how these things work, but the challenge you have with blockchain is that it's not mature enough yet. Uh, so public blockchains, for example, they were the first and most famous application of blockchain. Uh, I mean, Bitcoin was the first blockchain application and everyone said it's going to revolutionize the financial industry, it's going to uh, change the face of transacting money, blah, blah, blah. And what did we see last year? We saw a crash, yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's not like Bitcoin to blame for this. It's not, like, I mean, we, we can't know who created Bitcoin, what, who this entity Satoshi Nakamoto is, but uh, it's not, we can't really say that uh, the speculative bubble was because of this entity. It was human greed. It was not understanding the technology well enough, etc. So the point I'm trying to make is that uh, with every new technology, there are going to be some issues, and mainly because we don't know uh, what the best practices are, we don't know, uh, you know, the challenges, we don't know X, we don't know Z. Um, now, with blockchain, things are maturing rapidly, yeah? So, some, some of the things that I'm waiting to see progress on are purely technical matters. So, an opinion I voiced many times in the past is that blockchain, to me right now, looks a lot like operating systems in the early 90s. Uh, that uh, it's something that's going to be part of our lives in the near future. Many companies will use it. Uh, but right now, there's no agreement on what are the best practices. Uh, a simple example, if we're going to get more technical, is consensus algorithms. Like, what's the best consensus algorithms? How is it, is it to get hacked, etc. Then issues around scalability. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's another issue. Uh, so I expect that these are going to be solved in the next, in the next few years. And we will see some standard blockchains emerging. Yeah, so we will know that in supply chain, that's the best solution. In, you know, in finance, that's the, the best solution. Um, so I think once we see this happening, um, then the organizations that might be more risk averse or more conservative with regards to implementing new technologies uh, will start adopting blockchain as well. I think that now the organizations that adopt blockchain automation right now they're going to see huge gains and the competitive advantage in the near future. However, what I cannot say is whether all organizations are ready to do so because it's not just about the technology. Um, a process of digital transformation also touches aspects of an organization's culture, for example. Well, that, that was going to lead me to my next question, actually, which is what can uh, supply chain and manufacturing professionals of today be doing to prepare for this kind of uh, future? Mm -hmm. So the first thing I'd say they, they should do uh, would be to become more tech-friendly, to start discussing about changes in their current culture. Mm -hmm. So obviously some organizations might be very tech-friendly, uh, but it helps to have a, you know, people like a chief data officer, chief innovation officer, uh, hire a team of data scientists to start playing around with their data. Um, quite often the challenge that big organizations face is like legacy code or the data not being in the right format, outdated operations. So the sooner you start, I mean, the, the, the easiest way to do things is just to hire, let's say, a few people right now, a team who could assist with this process of digital transformation in the future, but who are going to be, let's say, the, the early day explorers, yeah? Because uh, inevitably, in every process of digital transformation, there are going to be many 
issues, there are going to be many setbacks. So if an organization is very short on resources or they're very risk averse, uh, I'd say the easiest way to start is, you know, by, by, by hiring people for, to help with this process one or two years before the organization actually wants to initiate uh, this process. This would, be my, this would be my best advice, and I think it could apply to companies of all sizes. Now, obviously, every case is different, yeah, because I would even say, hey, you know, what you really need is this solution for this particular problem because it looks like, you know, given the current state of the company and your capabilities and blah, 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 you are more mature than the rest. <laughs> but every industry, every company tends to be a bit different. And, and do you think that, um, I mean, obviously we touched upon the cultural element, hiring the right people, uh, getting the right culture within an organization, becoming more tech friendly, et cetera. Do you think that these, these data scientists should be integrated into a business to understand the processes as well that need to be implemented within, a, within an organization? So would you say it's people, process, and technology? Yeah, definitely, because, uh, I mean, again, talking about supply chains, um, it's very important for someone to understand the full process because otherwise, um, if they don't have this domain knowledge, they might make many assumptions, they might, uh, they might miss some important facts. I know, I know, for example, that Tesco's in the United Kingdom, uh, when they hire a new data scientist, they also have them work in the Tesco supermarket for a couple of days, I think. Uh, I know this because a friend of mine uh, started working as a data scientist in Tesco's uh, solely to understand what the business is like. Yeah, what the business is like. And uh, I mean, for, for some organizations, this might take only a couple of days. Uh, for other organizations, it might take uh, six months. Um, but domain knowledge is a very important part of, um, you know, of, of the job description, that's the way I see it. If you want to help business thrive, you need to understand the day-to-day -day operations. So coming back to the topic of blockchain for supply management, uh, yes, you, someone should basically be fully aware of uh, what the supply chain looks like. And especially if we're talking about big companies, multinational companies uh, that carry goods from many different places to other places, this could be very, very, very complex. Yeah, so you want to avoid the scenario where you base all your, um, you know, you base all your work, let's say, on the United States market, but also your company trades, I don't know, in India or in the European market, and there are many other, uh, many things which are different from, you know, tariffs to costs associated with gas or whatever, and uh, you fail to take this into account. Yeah, so definitely, it's uh, getting, the getting familiarizing yourself with the business processes as well. Yes. Um, what kind of um, advice? I mean, we talked about this in terms of what the challenges are, what people should do. But let's go back to the advice that you would give supply chain manufacturing directors that are really trying to become tech friendly. Mm -hmm. uh, so you've talked about hiring more data scientists and more technology people that get this. Uh, what else can they do? Uh, well, they can educate themselves. Uh, I mean, I understand there's, uh, there's not enough quality material out there. Again, it's one of the reasons I wrote the book I wrote, because I think now, these days in technology, we see uh, some, some sort of polarization in the kind of resources, educational resources out there. 
So what I mean by that is we either find very technical resources, which are meant for developers, okay, which obviously we need to have those. And then we find resources which speak on a very high level, but usually congratulatory tone, like uh, this technology will transform X, Y, Z. Um, however, this doesn't necessarily assist uh, a decision maker understand how a technology can be applied. Uh, so I'd say there's plenty of material out there for someone to educate themselves. It's just they need to approach this material with a healthy degree of skepticism. Uh, quite often, this education process involves, I mean, for, for most supply chain managers who you know, don't have an engineering background, they will most likely go to the high-level material, which might be over-promising, and they will have to approach this material with a healthy degree of skepticism in order to understand where the hype lies and where the truth lies. I like that. That's very important. I mean, that's one of the things that we do here, too, is trying to understand the difference between hype and truth. Um, is the future bright for blockchain and supply chain? Yes, definitely. Uh, I think that uh, blockchain is improving more and more. As I mentioned, I, I project that in the next five years at most, blockchain will have matured completely uh, in a similar process to the one we witnessed for operating systems. So we won't have a million different blockchains. We'll have, let's say, Hyperledger Fabric and Ethereum, and Corda and a few other like projects, which are very, very well suited for specific applications. And in terms of supply chain, I think supply chain falls into one of those uh, domains of, or problems where someone, I mean, years ago, someone could think how something like that could be automated in theory yeah, someone you know could make yeah. this science fiction argument. If we had robots, then we could do X, Y, Z. Because it, it's not like um, you know, it's not like a creative process. It's not like discussing about how to automate, I don't know, diagnosing illnesses or uh, generating works of art or, or whatever. However, up until now, uh, humans were an irreplaceable component of this chain, and with blockchain and automation, a large number of the things that humans are currently doing will be replaced by algorithms and machines. So I think, yes, the, the, the future of supply chain is looking brighter in the sense that we're looking at a reduction of costs and an increase of efficiency. And that is exactly what every supply chain and manufacturing director wants, you know, yeah. to, to reduce their costs, increase efficiency, and probably get more visibility. So the future definitely is bright. Thank you very much, uh, Stylianos, for joining us on this podcast. Uh, I think what we'll do is, uh, uh, if anybody wants to get in touch, we'll actually have a, a link to your uh, blog and uh, they can check out your website and get in touch with you uh, to talk about the future of blockchain in supply chain. Um, thank you very much for joining us. I really appreciate this and uh, I look forward to seeing you again. Thank you. Have a good day. You too.